Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. And welcome into another A to Z. John Michael's in for Mark Zeno once again. And hope you guys are having a great Tuesday or what, what is today? Wednesday, I guess, with the holidays. My days get a little bit mixed up, but I hope you guys are having a great Wednesday afternoon here in the ATL. It is time for Locked On ATL, the podcast here, as we've got a lot to dive into. Breaking news literally just a little while ago that we'll dive into as to why the Atlanta Falcons are now clearly the worst team in the NFC South. We're going to dive into some conversation around college football as I do each and every day. What's going on as we get ready for SEC media days and some of the things to look forward to there. We'll also talk about how Dansby Swanson potentially could be pricing his way right on out of Atlanta. Uh, segment one brought to you by our good friends here at Bet Online. We'll talk to you about them coming up in just a moment. But some breaking news in the NFL just hit literally moments before we came on the air. I'm actually glad I recorded this a little bit later than we normally do, and that's because Baker Mayfield has been traded from the Cleveland Browns to the Carolina Panthers in exchange, I believe, for about a fifth-round pick, fourth or a fifth-round pick, so nothing really huge in return. And to me, it signifies clearly the Falcons are now third, and I think we went through the other day. Tampa and New Orleans are kind of the, the two front runners. It's Tampa, and then it's New Orleans maybe it's a wild-card team. Carolina team that didn't really have any sort of direction at quarterback. Now you have Baker Mayfield. And the the key thing for this whole deal was the fact that you had money being split. Cleveland's going to pay some money for him to go away. And this is where I wish. And, and, and I'm going to be fully behind Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter and those guys and hope, you know, that they really come out and have a good year this year for the Falcons, even if it, it costs them maybe picking second or third and they pick fifth. You know, I, I'm all about winning football games. I know people will say, hey, we want to lose, we want to lose, we want to lose. That's a fan thing. I worked with the team for 10 years. I traveled with them. I will tell you, to a man, on a 53-man roster, there was not a guy in that locker room that would ever say, hey, we want to lose a football game. So that was not going to happen. But when you look right now, realistically, where this football team is, when Carolina adds a Baker Mayfield, DJ Moore is better right now, currently, than any Falcon receiver on the roster. And we hope Drake London's going to be really good, but I don't know what he's going to give you in year number one. Christian McCaffrey is head and shoulders, when healthy, above any running back that the Falcons have on the roster. So, barring injury, you'd have to assume that Christian McCaffrey is going to be good. Their offensive line equal or better than what the Falcons are going to trot out, although I am one guy that is fairly positive that with Chris Linsom, Caleb McGarry, a guy who looks like he's in better shape, Jake Matthews, your stalwart at left tackle, that the two interior positions have to get better just based on the fact that they are playing together for a second year in a row in the same system. It needs to be either Matt Hennessy or Drew Dahlman. I don't need to see the crap that we saw a year ago when you had guys literally you know, rotating in and out of series, which just doesn't happen in the National Football League. And I think Jalen Mayfield, with some competition to be pushing him, whether it's Justin Schaefer or Georgia or some of the free agents that they added, I think the offensive line will be better. That being said, Carolina probably better on the offensive line. Carolina definitely better defensively. And we talked yesterday about really all the ills of the Atlanta Falcons, a team that you start thinking about 18 total sacks, didn't really take the football away. Outside of A.J. Terrell and Grady Jarrett, don't, don't really have premier defensive players at any position. I say that to say Carolina now with Baker Mayfield is stabilized. Now, what do they do with Sam Darnold? Who knows? 
you know, they gave up a bunch, I think a second, a fourth, and a six, and paying some money to Sam Donald. I think this is the last year of his deal. Do you let him stick around and have an open competition? Whatever. It's Baker Mayfield's job as the former number one pick. And for Cleveland, as we kind of dovetail down into where this affects a little bit of everybody, my goodness, Cleveland better hope that the NFL does not suspend Deshaun Watson for the entire year. Because if not, they've basically just given away a year. No, no disrespect to Jacoby Brissett, but he's not in that pantheon of quarterbacks that's going to get you into the playoffs. And that's a Cleveland team two years ago that's a a a, a very bad ruling. It's, a, it's an NFL rule, but a rule that we don't necessarily agree with. A very bad ruling from beating Kansas City on their home field and going to the AFC Championship game with a chance to go to the Super Bowl a couple of seasons ago. Doesn't happen whatever Cleveland's now hoping that Deshaun Watson only gets six or eight games and potentially comes back again. This goes back to the Falcons and where they are at as a franchise and how disappointing it has to be this year. We'll continue the Falcons conversation, but a quick word from our good friends at betonline.net, your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. If you want to place over-unders, you want to go in and bet on how many yards somebody like Marcus Mariota will throw for, how many yards Drake London is going to do, you could potentially do that right at betonline.net. The best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. You want to head to the website today or use your mobile advice uh, to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. I know I don't do a ton of gambling right now, not during baseball season. It's just too topsy-turvy. I guess if you're betting on the Braves, good for you because you're winning a bunch of money right now. Is that baseball team 25-7? and seven? We'll talk about them coming up in segment number three here on A to Z. But I want to go back to the Falcons for a second and not to be doom and gloom guy. And I think partly because you've heard me say I am always going to be the guy that cheers for this football team. I am always going to be the guy that is optimistic about the potential of this team being better. I think they have a chance on the O-line to be better. I think Kyle Pitts has the potential to put up better numbers, which will be nice because I need him to score some touchdowns this year after only getting in the end zone one time. Fascinating. We had a chance on 680 The Fan after Matt Ryan was traded to Indianapolis to talk with Matt about throwing touchdowns to Kyle Pitts. And the conversation we had, it was about the last game of the year, and apparently there was a play basically designed for Kyle Pitts to run, and it was just a quick flash route to the outside, and you get him the ball in like a three-step drop, and it's there. Kyle Pitts lines up on the wrong side. of This is Matt Ryan telling us. This isn't me making it up. Kyle Pitts lines up on the wrong side of the formation. Russell Gage goes, no, 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 I'll run the route knowing that he's potentially going to go catch a touchdown. Matt Ryan ends up throwing the touchdown to Russell Gage. So instead of Kyle Pitts having touchdown number two, he only ends up with one on the year. Can that number increase to six or seven? Why not? You know, you have a huge bodied outside guy in Drake London. I think that has a potential really, really to work out well for him. Uh, you're going to get some double teams for Drake London. They've added other size, you know, whether it's uh, the, the kid Brian Robinson that they traded for from the Las Vegas Raiders, another 6'3", big body. Auden Tate's like a 6'4", 6'5", big bodied receiver. It's not all the Smurf guys that you had a year ago. And I know Alameda Zacchaeus, good chance to make the football team your deep threat can take the top off. Maybe Frank Darby in year number two in the offense has a chance to do something. Those are the smaller type guys in some of the big bodies. You know, Geronimo Allison, another guy that you bring in, had a lot of, you know, potential there. I think the offense can maybe put up better numbers as far as red zone. Get it to Kyle Pitts. Get it to Drake London. Let have some jump balls. Again, you've got two mobile quarterbacks, and I know Folks in this town love the mobile quarterback. My goodness, Matt Ryan, God forbid, he couldn't run a 4-4-40. He'd throw back, stand back there and throw for 4,500 yards 
but that's neither here nor there. Now all of a sudden you have Mariota, you have Ritter, two guys in the red zone. Maybe you run some zone read. Maybe you run some straight quarterback runs, stuff that potentially could loosen up the defense down in the red zone. But either way, Baker Mayfield going to Carolina. I think, unfortunately, that puts the Falcons in fourth place. And again, if you're a guy that wants to tank, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Tyler Van Dyke, Will Levis, the names go on and on at quarterback. There potentially could be four or five guys at the top of this draft to go in the top 10 or 15, so the Falcons may have their pick. Again, if Desmond Ritter or Marcus Mariota don't work out. We'll come back. What's going on with the Atlanta Braves and why Dansby Swanson could be pricing himself right out of Atlanta? It's John Michaels at John Michaels U in Frizzino here on A to Z. And welcome back into A to Z. John Michaels in for Mark Zeno. Having a great time today. Give me a follow on social media at John Michaels U and make sure you follow Locked on ATL. Social media, YouTube, wherever you can find your podcasts and streams and everything else. You want to make sure you hit that subscribe button to Locked on ATL. Appreciate Blue Nile, the sponsor of this segment here. And appreciate what the Atlanta Braves are doing right now. It is an absolute onslaught. And I love, and anytime I get a chance to come in here and bang on Salicata from WFAN, I got to do it. Bro, we're two and a half back. It's called 680 The Fan. You called us 680 The Score. You said Chuck whatever his name is. It's Chuck Oliver. Put some respect on the Atlanta Braves. Put some respect on the ATL, a team that's coming to catch your New York match. You're going to Met. You did it yesterday. Max Scherzer comes back, fires 11 strikeouts, brilliant baseball. You don't score a single doggone run zero one to nothing salicata our buddy i use air quotes when i say that he said you know embarrassing give me a call wfan let's take some phone calls take it to the streets as we used to at 790 the zone but i talk about this for a moment because the braves are on one of those kicks that really gets you into the mix of potentially being a deep world series team again a team that has a chance to be the first team since the yankees in the early 2000s to repeat as World Series champions. And a big part of why is Dansby Swanson, the shortstop. Right now, second in all-star voting is Dansby Swanson, right behind Trey Turner. Probably will not make it uh, as a starter, but I know Brian Snitker will do everything he can to put Dansby Swanson in. But I mentioned this. Dansby may be pricing himself right on out of Atlanta. So far, 2022, 302, 14 homers, 49's run bad, 49 runs batted in and an 860 OPS. This guy's flat out raking. 340 at home, 10 home runs at home, 34 RBIs at home. And we all know he is going to field his position as well as anybody in baseball. But he bet on himself to be a free agent this year. They went through the arbitration and all of this different mumbo jumbo with baseball. And I'll tell you why I think he's starting to price himself out of Atlanta. You think about this team and where they stand right now. It, there's some good options, and I kind of wanted to run through some of them. First base, you've made the long-term investment on Matt Olson. Trade away prospects, set a long-term contract in front of him. Younger than Freddie, he's going to be your first baseman six, seven, eight years, most likely. Ozzie Albee's on a very, very team-friendly contract. Relatively speaking, he's your second baseman for the next couple of years. Austin Riley right now under team control, so you're not paying him an inordinate amount of money. You've got a guy that you really pay what you want at his level, and there's going to be a time where Austin Riley comes due. Ronald Acuna becomes fascinating. Signed an early contract, over $100 million. Sounds great to me and you and everybody else in the car, 
when he looks around and sees Juan Soto potentially getting 400 million and some of these other guys that have already cracked the $300 million mark, I think there's a time when Ronald Acuna becomes disgruntled. Not today, maybe not tomorrow, but there's a time he's going to want more cash. That's something Alex Anthopoulos and Liberty Media will have to deal with somewhere down the road. Michael Harris, you hope, starting center fielder for the next eight or nine years. This is a dude potentially you've got locked up for a while. Again, team control. You don't have to pay him a ton of money. Great. Left field, there's sort of a log jam. It's Adam Duvall, one-year deal, nine million bucks. That'll come off this year. Eddie Rosario, you re-sign him in the offseason. I think you have two years left on the deal after this year. Not killer money. And the same thing with Marcelo Zuna. You'll have two more years left on his deal. So you're good when you start to look at the money. And I'll even throw Travis Darno in there. You've got a young replacement whenever Darno doesn't come back in William Contreras, who, by the way, is going to be your starting DH most likely in the All-Star game is uh, Bryce Harper dealing with a broken thumb. But could Dansby Swanson be playing himself out of a contract with the Atlanta Braves? And the reason I say that, and I brought this up, and I wanted to bring it to the airwaves here on Locked on ATL. Here's your top paid shortstops in baseball on average salary. Carlos Correa, he's getting $35 million. Now, Dansby's not as good as Carlos Correa. No knock. He's not quite there. Francisco Lindor, maybe a hair's buyer remorse of the New York Mets, but he's getting $34.1 million. Corey Seager, who just signed a huge deal in the offseason, $33 million annually from the Texas Rangers. So that's your top three. That's the guys that are up here. Right below them is Trey Turner, who's going to be the starting shortstop. He's getting $21 million from the L.A. Dodgers, and I'm trying to look right now to see how much longer his contract. matter of fact, he got a one-year $21 million deal for the Braves or from the Dodgers. So he's going to get more money. Xander Bogarts, who's sitting there in fifth, signed a six-year $121 million deal a couple of years back with the Boston Red Sox. And then you have Brandon Crawford, or excuse me, Javier Baez, who's got a $20 million a year deal. It was six years uh, and $140 million extension. Right now he's making 20. It goes to 22 and then 25 over the life of the contract with the Detroit Tigers. Dansby's right in that mix with Bogarts and Baez, probably a tick below Turner and Seager and Lindor and Correa. I asked Braves fans this, is $25 million a year on this franchise's payroll doable? I'll give you my answer to why I think this potentially could be a problem after a word from our good friends at Blue Nile. At BlueNile.com, you can celebrate all of life's special moments from creating the custom engagement ring of her dreams to gifting a classic and timeless jewelry piece, all at prices you won't find at a traditional jeweler. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Sports listeners are going to get $50 off purchases, $500 or more. So podcast exclusive includes engagement if you use the locked on code. Again, that's locked on. Plus, every order is insured, ships for free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. You want to shop stress free and find your forever peace? Go to bluenile.com today. Great, great company right there is bluenile.com. My answer is Dansby Swanson could be on the verge of pricing his way out of Atlanta. You think about this for a second, and you go through the Braves' payroll. And you go through where they are right now, according to Spotrack, they are ninth in payroll across Major League Baseball, which is actually a tick up from where they were in the past. But you start to look at the multi-year salary breakdown of where things are. You've got a couple of guys that are locked up for years that we've gone through. But all of a sudden, you start to look ahead 
and Ronald Acuna is going to want more than $17 million. So how do you do kind of the give and take of keeping Dansby on the team? Charlie Morton, I believe, has a player option next year for $20 mil. You want to keep him. Will Smith, $13 mil. You probably could say goodbye to one of the heroes of the World Series run a year ago. We talked about Adam Duvall. I believe he's going to come off the books this year at about $9 million plus. Kirby Yates, you've got him under contract for a couple of extra years. And a lot of the lower-level guys, the Matzik's. Matzik's going to be due a raise. Minter's going to be he's, – he's under arbitration as is Matzik. Soroka is an arbitration-eligible guy. You know, you possibly lose a Luke Jackson who you're missing this year anyway. But if Dansby wants what he deserves, and I'm, I'm going to say very well, what he deserves, north of Baez, north of some of those guys making 20 million bucks, you're probably talking 25 mil per. So would you go for Dansby Swanson five for 125? That's doable. And what if he makes it 30 million and that's what he wants? Five for 150. Are the Braves willing to pay that kind of money to keep Dansby Swanson around? Five for 150 is a lot. He's a really good shortstop. He he saves a ton of runs and drives in a ton of runs. But I think if 25 is the point, sort of that baseline, we're good. 25, man, hell, you can extend him six years for 25. Maybe he started at 22 and it escalates over the last couple of years. But I got a feeling Dansby Swanson is going to look around and go, I want seven for 200, seven for 190. Are you willing to give them that? And I'm not sure that the Braves will. I hope they do. I've really changed my tune over the last four years of Dansby Swanson. Four years ago, I would have said he's expendable. We can go find another, you know, punch and Judy hitting shortstop. Now, all of a sudden, he's a 30 home run type guy. He's going to hit mid 20s, driving close to 100 runs. He's hit all over the lineup. And defensively, him and Ozzy Albies make a great defensive pair when Albies is back healthy. I hope it works out. We'll come back. We've got a lot to talk about college football wise, including why Georgia wants the SEC to go the ACC route. Talk about that next here on Locked On ATL. John Michaels in for Zeno at John Michaels U on social media. Welcome back into A to Z with Mark Zeno. John Michaels in for Z. Once again, he'll be back from vacation tomorrow. I think he went to New York, had a chance to go to Yankee Stadium, brought the twins up there. Hope Zeno and his family, uh, his wonderful wife and his kids and everybody are having a great time. He's a great dude, and I hope you guys subscribe right here to Locked On ATL. Again, smash the subscribe button and smash the like button on YouTube. And this segment of the program brought to you by our good friends at Coffee AM. Love to get your thoughts. If you want to hit me up at John Michaels, you, what your thoughts are on Dansby Swanson? Is there a number associated with him that you potentially would want to keep the Braves shortstop for? I just wonder if anything north of 30 million bucks or even 25 might price him out of Atlanta. Again, I hope not. SEC Media Day is coming up in two weeks, and I can't wait. I know there are people in our media conglomerate that go, oh my God, we're going to SEC Media Days. Who cares? It's boring. Is this that? For me, it signifies the start of football season. If I got a chance to talk to Marcus Spears and David Pollock and Rick Neuheisel and, you know, you name it, all the coaches that will be walking through there from the SEC, why would I not want to talk to these guys and really signify football? And then the week after that, we got Falcons training camp. So the dog days of kind of spring and summer when you're in the sports talk business, they're going out the window sooner rather than later as obviously now you're going to have college football getting here. You're going to have pro football getting here and everything else started thinking about college football and you know obviously everything that's going on right now continues to be you know about realignment and who's going to go where and yesterday we talked about teams that could come to the sec and then after we got finished with the podcast right afterwards there was this loose 
and I don't even know what to call it, loose partnership between the Pac-12 and the ACC, and there may be some kind of conference championship game between the two conference winners. And then they were talking about, you know, the, the Big 12 is going to raid the Pac-12, and they're going to take four to six teams, including the Arizona schools, and maybe Oregon and Washington want to go to the Big Ten. Who knows? I really don't know. What I do know is a school like the University of Georgia would love to see a change philosophically in the SEC, potentially to go to nine conference games, and then go to that 3-5-5 model that the ACC went to a couple of weeks ago where it's going to be three permanent teams, and then you'll have five crossover teams, and you'll play each five at least twice every four years. So you'll do a home-and-home with the other five teams in the conference. And it'll be difficult once it gets to 16 or 18, and then who knows how the hell they'll figure that thing out at that point. But if you're Georgia, the reason I bring this up, listen to this nonsensical home schedule that they have in 2022. Open the year, obviously, with a a neutral site. And I use air quotes when I say this, against Oregon at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It'll feel like a home game. But for the defending national champions, they would much rather be at Sanford Stadium opening up at home against Oregon. But again, they get the neutral site, the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. Love our guys at Chick-fil-A, but that's the game they get. They open the home schedule, Athens, Georgia, September 10th. Who wants to sit in red-hot Athens at 4 o'clock to watch them play Sanford? Not me. Not Stanford, but Samford. I believe Samford's out of Alabama. I'm not 100% sure, but that's neither here nor there. Their next home game after that, they get a road game against South Carolina. Should be fun. Noon kick Columbia, September the 17th. You then go September the 24th, noon, noon again, Athens, September the 24th against Kent State. Unless Antonio Gates is walking through that door, and I think he played basketball at Kent State. Unless he's walking through that door, who the hell wants to? Who knows what the Golden Flashes are all about? I read every preview magazine. I don't ever get to the Golden Flashes part of the preview magazine. October 1st, you then have a game at Missouri. So you've now gone the first month of the season without a relevant home game. Not one. Zero. Think anybody else in the country is dealing with that? Where they don't have a relevant home game in the first month of the season? You're talking about the defending national champions. The defending national champions who do not have a home game that means a damn thing through the month of September and the first week of October. We'll get more of this conversation in just a moment, but a word from our good friends at Coffee AM. Coffee never tasted so good. Mm -mm. It's Coffee AM, an Atlanta-based small batch coffee roaster that does a lot of great things, brews some of the freshest and most beautiful coffee that you can have. It's the best small batch coffee roaster in America, and you can use the coupon code right now for 15% off all coffees, teas, and gift sets. It's pretty simple. Locked on. L-O-C-K-E-D on locked on go to coffeeam.com backslash locked on today and take a look at their full menu of coffees teas and gift sets at coffeeam.com backslash locked on want to use the code coupon code locked on at checkout and you're going to get 15 percent off your first order on coffees teas or gift sets again coffee am the best small batch coffee roaster in america going back to this ridiculous georgia schedule and why i think they would like a change from the SEC and get some help there. So October 8th, their first meaningful home game, Auburn. Okay, Deep South oldest rivalry, awesome. Love to see Auburn be in there. Auburn was six and seven. And they're probably having a coach in Brian Harson who's on a hot seat right now that may or may not be back next year. Not a great game. Now Georgia fans are going to show up in full force, but there you go. You follow that up the following week, Vandy. 
And if you see the face, look at the face I'm making. It's October the 15th, and your home games have been Samford, Kent State, a rebuilding Auburn, and Vanderbilt. What in the blue hell is that? How am I paying 10 Gs as an endowment or whatever it may be, a PSL, whatever they call it, to then be able to turn around and spend $150 a game to go watch that crap? October 29th, after your bye week, you go to Jacksonville to play Florida. Cocktail party's always down there. I understand it. Great, awesome, cool, all that good stuff. November, we're already to November 5th, and then it's your best home game of the year. You get Tennessee, which if there's a team that I think has a chance on this schedule to upset Georgia, pace a play with Josh Heupel, Hennon Hooker, I think he threw three interceptions the entire year last year with 34 touchdowns. There's your, if it's an upset type game, that could be it. Then you have road game at Starkville, road game at Kentucky, and you finish the year against a really bad Georgia Tech team. You have one. One good home game. So imagine you're a season ticket holder. And I don't have season tickets to Georgia, so I have no earthly idea what they cost. But you're a season ticket holder, and you're trotting that out, and you're asking people to plop down hard-earned money in a time where money isn't coming that smooth. This is where I say the SEC, and a lot of this is not Georgia's fault. You obviously take the neutral site game because you want the, you know, you want the appearance and you want everything that goes on with being at Mercedes-Benz that opening weekend. And Oregon's a fun cross-country opponent. I would have much rather seen a home-and-home, go to Otson, have them come to Sanford, have that work out. But you take the neutral site game. You already have a neutral site game against Florida. Well, because of the way the conference schedule plays out, your crossover games are Mississippi State this year. I get it. Mike Leach is fun. They throw the ball six million times. You struggled there a couple of years ago, but that's one of your crossovers. Your other crossover game is Auburn. You're never going to lose that game. So you don't get Ole Miss, fun, Elaine Kiffin, great matchup. You don't get Alabama. You don't get LSU. You don't get Texas A&M. So the four premier teams from the other side, you don't play them this year. The East is in disarray right now. South Carolina might be the second best. Maybe Tennessee is. You get South Carolina on the road. Again, this is just the way that the cookie crumbles in the SEC, and you get Tennessee at home. If you go to 355 or 356, whatever it may be, and think about every four years Alabama comes to Georgia, every four years then LSU would come to Georgia, every four years you'd get Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss at Georgia, and every four years Jimbo Fisher would come to Georgia. And then you would have those return games the following year. Think about how awesome that would be. Your three permanent games are probably Auburn, Florida, and I don't know what they would then do for the last game. I mean, it probably has to be Tennessee, but that becomes really difficult for Georgia if you get Auburn, Florida, and Tennessee. But those are the three most likely, the most historic rivalries for the team to have. And then you get a chance to play everybody else on a crossover. Do you maybe get rid of Auburn to keep South Carolina? Don't know. I doubt it. Do you get rid of Tennessee to keep South Carolina? I doubt it. But you would have those crossover games. These are things that have to happen sooner than later. As conference realignment all gets, you know, discombobulated and put back together, and we ultimately end up with 70 or 80 of the top teams and no NCAA, I think there's an opportunity for Georgia to get a better home schedule. I know Kirby Smart would like to have another home game. I know he'd like to have another opportunity to show 93,000-plus people at Sanford Stadium going crazy. I know he'd like another opportunity for the national championship video to play. Those things would be nice. Zinn will be back tomorrow. Really appreciate you guys tuning in. Locked on ATL. It's your boy, John Michaels, at John Michaels U. We'll see you later.